I never thought I would be anxiously awaiting for Notre Dame to play a service academy in Dublin, Ireland, but it has been so long since college football has graced my eyes that I can't take it anymore. I am excited, in fact I am pumped, for Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame to go to Dublin, Ireland and play the Navy midshipmen. Notre Dame is a massive favorite. Of course, I am hoping for an entertaining game, but in all reality, in all likelihood, Notre Dame will likely win big. But that's week zero. There are, in theory, no entertaining big-time matchups, but that's just on paper. We're going to have to wait for the games to play out. USC also takes on Rice, and there are a few other group of five matchups such as I believe Hawaii and Vanderbilt will be facing off as well as another game. But Week Zero is really just a tease, a trailer to the main college football season. Last year, it was Nebraska and Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland, and that was the main matchup. And then Week 1 is a tsunami of games. That's the real regular season that hits us, and because of that, I'm going to be producing preseason content, not just for the rest of this week and the weekend, but through the end of next week as well. And Josh Pate and his Late Kick show, they're doing that, still producing bold prediction segments and previewing different teams one by one. I myself am going to release a bold predictions video of my own, part six, the conclusion to my bold prediction series, which will be me reviewing my subscribers' bold predictions. I'm going to be releasing that video within the next two or three days. And ESPN, this Monday, released an article that has predictions by by Power 5 conferences. Pardon me. They have picks for Offensive and Defensive Player of the Year. They give some Heisman predictions, impact transfers, comeback player of the year, coach of the year, predict the champion for each conference, and they give three specific predictions for different teams and players in each Power 5 conference, along with predicted finishes. We are going to be reviewing this today, and I'm going to be reacting to this article by ESPN. So sit back, grab some food or a drink, and let's enjoy these final few days before the college football season hits us at full force. Make sure to subscribe, like this video, and hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I produce college football content. Without further ado, let's start at A and finish at S, because there is no Power 5 conference that begins with Z. The ACC. The first prediction by ESPN is that Clemson will beat Florida State in Week 4, but Florida State will win in the rematch and capture the ACC championship. According to ESPN, Florida State will be the ACC champion. The Offensive Player of the Year for the ACC will be Drake May, quarterback from North Carolina. The Defensive Player of the Year will be Jared Verse. Freshman of the Year will be Peter Woods, a defensive lineman from Clemson who has been reported to have a very impressive spring and fall camp. The Impact Transfer will be Brennan Armstrong an in-conference transfer who's now at North Carolina State. The comeback player of the year looks to be Mike Hollins from Virginia. The coach of the year will be Mike Norvell from Florida State. Coach on the hot seat, according to ESPN, will be 
Dino Babers from Syracuse. A coordinator who will be a head coach, Garrett Riley, offensive coordinator at Clemson. We'll see if he just stays for a year or longer. It would be in Clemson's best interest to keep him around as long as they can. The non-conference game of the year, obviously, I'm in complete agreement with this, is Florida State versus LSU. And the conference game of the year will be Florida State at Clemson September 23rd. The ACC schedule and a lot of what will determine the ACC is earlier in the year rather than later in the year, which is unusual. You think of almost any conference, or mainly college football in general, you think October, November. September, the easier games are there, and that's a point where changes can still be made. You can still form the identity of your team. You can lose. In fact, it's preferable to lose early and win late, as Penn State in 2016 showed us. Losing games early and being the number five team in the country with two losses barely missing out on a college football playoff appearance. Auburn in 2017 was the same deal. LSU in just last year in 2022 was the same deal. If they didn't lose to Texas A&M and let's say they beat Georgia in the SEC title game with two losses, they would have made the playoff. And if Auburn in 2017 just beat Georgia in the SEC championship game with two losses, but a win over Bama and Georgia in the regular season, they would have made the playoff. What is it with Kirby Smart preventing two lost teams to get into the playoff? I'd have to personally thank him for that, because I don't think a two-loss team, unless they have a ridiculously tough schedule, would deserve to get into a four-team playoff. But there are, of course, exceptions to the rule. Anyway, to get back to the ACC, I am in full agreement with Clemson and Florida State splitting the two-game series. Now, I have different tiers of reactions to all of these, except for the third one on this slide with Mike Hollins, because I'm not as familiar with Virginia as I am with other programs, and the prediction for this one was oddly specific. For Mike Hollins in Virginia, all I can say is I hope that he has a breakout season. I hope that he can recover from his injuries. I mean, he got shot, I believe, in that shooting. And he's back. He also got injured in practice, and he's playing with the team right now. So he's an impressive player and an impressive young man, and I hope the best for him and his future. To get back to Clemson and Florida State, neither team, in my opinion, has an edge over the other. This isn't Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, or I'm just going to say it, Alabama, Texas, where whether it's because of coaching, whether it's schematics, or whether it's roster, one school, despite them being similar teams overall, if you're to specifically pit them versus each other, one has a definite advantage over the other. I don't see that with Clemson and Florida State. Maybe with Dabo Swinney over Mike Norvell, but then I think that's balanced out by the fact that Florida State has a much deeper roster than Clemson does. Clemson has had severe attrition through the portal. Their recruiting has taken a little bit of a slide while Florida State's recruiting is shooting up like Bitcoin did a few years ago, and they're using the portal. But I think that those things balancing out means that no team is going to go 2-0 and versus the other. Um, it's possible. That's why I said agree and not strongly agree. 
because I think that there is a there is still a good chance that because Clemson is home field advantage, and also we don't know for sure if both of these teams are going to play in the ACC title game, there's a chance that upsets happen. Clemson nor Florida State, in my opinion, or even most polls' opinions, are playoff teams, at least in the, the sense of power ratings. So it's possible. I think it's likely. However, I'm not going to put strongly agree beside that. Um, the tiers for different opinions range from strongly disagree, disagree, neutral, agree, and strongly agree. This next opinion I strongly disagree with. Drake May will win the Heisman Trophy and bring North Carolina to a 9-3, 5-3 record. May has no supporting cast. Absolutely no supporting cast. And North Carolina's defense was disgusting. See the Appalachian State game from last year? See the Clemson game where Cade Klubnick, who Tennessee's defense just picked apart, looked awesome and looked like prime Trevor Lawrence against North Carolina in the ACC championship game? Look at Georgia Tech beating North Carolina last year. And I know that that's last year, but then you take into account that Storm Duck, Tony Grimes, and basically the entire secondary from last year's Tar Heel team is gone. And... Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator, is gone. The offensive line last year was terrible, and their offensive line coach is now at Wisconsin. There are too many things going against North Carolina, in my opinion, for May to have the success to win the Heisman Trophy. And the third prediction is Virginia running back Mike Hollins is a 100-yard game, specifically against James Madison, who had one of the better rushing defenses in the country last year after surviving the 2022 Virginia shooting. My reaction to this is it's an oddly specific prediction, so I'm going to be neutral on this prediction, but I'm going to be rooting for Mike Collins to do this against James Madison. Again, graduate student, the fact that he you know went through all of that and injuries and is still playing, it's like the story with Ohio State's Julian Fleming, in my opinion, with surviving all the injuries, or even Carnell Tate, whose mom died while he was in spring and fall camp his mom tragically passed away in the middle of the summer so hopefully he can face that adversity go through it and have a great season in my opinion so i'll be rooting for him those are the predictions for the acc by espn for the big 12 texas is back the longhorns will win the big 12 in dominant fashion in the 2023 season i agree with this um, I think that the Big 12 is a history of chaos, but Texas is a step above the league. They're a step ahead of everyone else. And I say that because they not only have Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy, and Arch Manning in that quarterback room, they have Steve Sarkeesian as the play caller. They return all five of their offensive linemen. Tight end Jatavion Sanders, who's a top 10 tight end in the nation, he's back. And I mentioned top five tight end in the nation in a really like great tight end there in Jatavion Sanders that's not even mentioning their elite wide receiver core. Xavier Worthy, Isaiah Nayer, Jordan Whittington, etc. Um, they have a really great collection of receivers, and their, and their defense last year took a big step forward, and I think with their returning production, it will take another step forward in this 2023 season. So I think that Texas will win the Big 12. 
um, in the Big 12 this year. ESPN thinks that the Big 12's champion will be Texas, that their offensive player of the year will be Jalen Daniels, quarterback at Kansas. Very underrated pick, in my opinion. I think Jalen Daniels is a top, easily top four quarterback in college football. I'll be rooting for him. Defensive player of the year will be Jalen Ford, a linebacker from Texas. And another linebacker from Texas, Anthony Hill, will be the freshman of the year. The impact transfer is yet again another linebacker, this time from Oklahoma in Desan McCullough. Comeback player of the year will be wide receiver A.D. Mitchell at Texas from Georgia. I think a better comeback player of the year, just my opinion, will be Jalen Daniels from Kansas. He was a Heisman contender before getting axed with an injury middle of the season very tragically i think that jalen daniels will i mean lead kansas to absolutely lead kansas to greatness in my opinion this season uh coach of the year will be joey mcguire at texas tech the coach on the hot seat is obviously neil brown a coordinator who will be a head coach jeff grimes who i think is one of the more underrated coordinators in the country from baylor the non-conference game of the year is Texas at Alabama, and the conference game of the year is Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Speaking of which, Oklahoma State wins the final game in the Bedlam series before OU leaves for the SEC, and the Sooners bounce back in a big way, going 9-3, and 6-3 and in the regular season with a much stronger defense. I am neutral on both of those opinions. Straight neutral. And the reason for that is Oklahoma State lacks the players to win this game of Bedlam, in my opinion. For example, they're starting Alan Bowman at quarterback, who is going to be not even in the top three of quarterbacks for Michigan if he stayed with the Wolverines this season. They're starting him there. They lost Mason Cobb to USC. They lost Dominic Richardson to in-conference foe Baylor. I mean... Mike Gundy was just hit with the transfer portal storm, and not in a good way in the 2023 preseason. But Gundy's a good head coach with a solid staff, and I think that because of that, there's a chance that Oklahoma State pulls this off. I have Oklahoma winning the final game in Bedlam, so I could have put disagree here, but I put neutral because I'm not exactly high on Oklahoma either. I think that they'll be better, this season, they will not be great. I don't know why Oklahoma is in the top 20. They should not even be close to the top 20, in my mind. And you can say that I'm hating. You can say that I'm being irrational, unreasonable. Maybe I am. Let me tell you something. Even though Lincoln Riley gutted that program, I do not care. I do not care one bit. This is the Big 12, the, the conference that, as, as great as the offenses are, sometimes I wonder if those offensive numbers are simply a product of bad defenses. TCU's offense last year, I think, could be a great example. You know, they scored 51 points versus Michigan. A lot of those were on big plays. Michigan's defense had a bad day. And Michigan's offense gifted TCU with great field position and two pick sixes. So the 51 points, a lot of that was based off of turnovers, and a lot of that was defensive touchdowns. And then against Georgia, Georgia gave up 30 to LSU. They gave up 6 to Kentucky, whose offense was mediocre. Only gave up 7 points to TCU. 
the Big 12, as fun of a conference as it is, is not a very strong conference. And I think that that's an objective fact of truth. Oklahoma's defense had no business being as bad as it was last year. None. No business whatsoever. And with Dylan Gabriel, when he was healthy at quarterback, the offense still, even with Marvin Mims, wasn't elite, wasn't near elite. At best, it was great. And what I've been hearing mostly in the preseason this year about Oklahoma is how good Jackson Arnold looks. Well, I hate to say it, but if that's the highlight of the preseason is Jackson Arnold and quarterback depth, then that's hinting at me that there's not much to talk about regarding the defense outside of depth, which they've built through recruiting. And who's going to replace Marvin Mims? There's too many questions for me about Oklahoma to have them remotely close to my top 25. But maybe Brent Venables will prove me wrong this year. Up next, we have the Big Ten Conference. And once again, ESPN thinks that Michigan will win the Big Ten and that Ohio State and Michigan will reach the college football playoff. The champion of the Big Ten will be Michigan. The Offensive Player of the Year will be Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State. The Defensive Player of the Year will be Jerzon Newton from Illinois. The Freshman of the Year by Job, a defensive end from Michigan State, who... I think very underrated player, and I think that I agree so far that he will be the freshman of the year. It'll either be him or I think Carson Hinsman at center for Ohio State, or maybe Carnell Tate because he's been having a fantastic fall camp at Ohio State and looks like he he's climbing up the depth chart very fast. In fact, Marvin Harrison Jr., brief side note, said that Carnell Tate is where Marvin Harrison Jr. was last year. So I expect big things from Carnell Tate, and I wouldn't have said that just a week ago. But now I'm expecting him to definitely have, I would say, a couple hundred, maybe even more than a couple of hundred receiving yards if what the coaches are saying about him is true. And I believe them. The impact transfer will be Tanner Mordecai, quarterback from Wisconsin, I agree with this. You could also put in Davison Igbenosin right there from Ohio State. He'll help shore up their secondary, and there are other players who you could name there too. Comeback Player of the Year, Travion Henderson, running back Ohio State. Henderson did not even come close to 1,000 rushing yards last year, dealt with an injury the entire season. That's a really good pick. Coach of the Year will be Luke Fickle from Wisconsin. Coach on the hot seat will be Tom Allen who he's going to be fired after this year. The coordinator who will become a head coach is Jesse Minter from Michigan. And while I agree with this from ESPN, I think Sharon Moore would have been a better choice. Non-conference game of the year will be Ohio State at Michigan, and conference game of the year will be Ohio State at Michigan. I meant non-conference game of the year will be Ohio State at Notre Dame. That's my bad. Um, non-conference game of the year also... This is an underrated pick. Think Minnesota, North Carolina. That's one. And there aren't many others outside of that. But I'd say Minnesota, North Carolina, Michigan State at Washington. I think that's going to be a very underrated game until it's played out. Until that game is played, I don't think many will be talking about it. But I think that game, from a competition standpoint, will be 
the best non-conference game for the Big Ten Conference. I agree strongly that Michigan will beat Ohio State for the third year in a row. Now, Ohio State, don't get me wrong, they have a good chance to win. I think that by odds, my mind spits out the number one-third, that if the game were to take place three times in Ann Arbor, Michigan would win two out of every three times, Ohio State would win every they would win once out of every three times played. But I say strongly agree because Michigan has the superior cards everywhere, everywhere except wide receiver. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that they have the superior cards everywhere except obviously where Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Egbuka, Carnell Tate, Julian Fleming, except where they exist? Well, what I mean by that is Michigan has home field advantage. They have the better head coach. They have the better defensive coordinator. I'm not going to say they have the better offensive coordinator, but Brian Hartline is less experienced at that role than Sharon Moore is. Michigan, I think, overall has the better staff, especially at strength and conditioning. These are not off-the-field factors, but they're not player or roster factors in and of themselves. We're not even to the roster yet. Michigan will have the better quarterback. They'll have the better running back room. They'll have the deeper tight end room. Whether Cade Stover's a better tight end or not, I think that Colston Loveland, A.J. Barner as a duo will be better than any duo Ohio State will have to offer. Michigan will have the better offensive line room. They'll have, overall, the better secondary, most likely. Linebacker is pretty tough. I would say that it's dead even there, but there's a case for Michigan to have a better linebacker room. Defensive line overall, I'd also say Michigan is better. And Ohio State fans and I, or even Michigan fans or I, maybe some Michigan fan thinks that it's not debatable at linebacker or defensive line. We could debate this all day, but I think that most Ohio State fans would even say that Michigan, yeah, better running back room, better O-line, more proven quarterback, probably better secondary, among other things. And Michigan has home field advantage, and Michigan is more fit to play in a colder environment and in a conference that likes to run the football. Obviously, weather isn't a huge factor, but I'm piling factors on top of each other now that all point in Michigan's favor. You can see where this is going, really, and that's why I strongly agree with this opinion. I have Michigan as my number one team in the country. Ohio State is my number two team in the country. Ohio State does have a good chance to go in and beat Michigan. However, as I see it, I do think that Michigan will win the game, at least the regular season edition of the game. And I have a lot of confidence in that. Where part two of my bold prediction that I made earlier this preseason factors in is ESPN, like me, also thinks that Michigan and Ohio State will make the college football playoff together. Again, in the Buckeyes' strong resume of beating Notre Dame and beating Wisconsin and Minnesota and Penn State will help with that. And I strongly agree with this, too. And this is where it gets interesting. I think whoever wins in Ann Arbor will also win in the rematch. So my own prediction is they won't just make the playoff again, they will take it a step further and do what they didn't do last year. Last year, Michigan and Ohio State went 0-2 in semifinal games. This year, they will go 2-0 and 
and semifinal games and play again for the national championship. I strongly agree with this. Overall, though, I wanted to make the point that ESPN emphasized really that the Big Ten will put two teams in the college football playoff. Their prediction on that's Ohio State and Michigan, but if Ohio State or Michigan don't make it and it's just one of them, Penn State exists, and Penn State has the potential to be that elite team. Wisconsin, while I don't think they have that same elite potential per se, in my opinion, they have a better coaching staff than Penn State. Depending on how Luke Fickle does this year, we might say at the end of the year, Wisconsin has the best staff in the Big Ten. With their schedule, if they split against Ohio State, they can reach the college football playoff, maybe with Ohio State as well. Or maybe they go 12-0 and and Michigan or Penn State go 12-0. and And then at that point, I would say it's almost guaranteed that Wisconsin and whoever wins the East outside of Ohio State in that scenario would reach the college football playoff. So I think that this is even more likely than Michigan straight up beating Ohio State for a third year in a row and winning the Big Ten. But I strongly agree with both. Next up, the Wisconsin Badgers will win the West in its final year under first-year head coach Luke Fickle. After 2023, the West and East will go extinct, and it will be an 18-team conference with a round-robin schedule that is still in the works. A schedule for a 16-team league was released in May-June. I'm pretty sure it was early June of this year, and it was a beautiful schedule. I thought that the Big Ten did a great job, but in adding Oregon and Washington, which I think the Big Ten was going to do anyway at some point, but they added them earlier than expected. And as a result, they are going to have to redo their 2024 schedules. Wisconsin will win the West. I agree with this take, though I don't strongly agree with it. I'm more confident in Michigan beating Ohio State again than I am in Wisconsin straight out winning the West. And the reason for that is really the volatility of Wisconsin. They could go 6-6, six and six, or they could go 12-0. and 0. Neither result would shock me into a heart attack. They would surprise me, but I could see scenarios in which that happens, in which Wisconsin goes 12-0, and 0, or they go 6-6, six and six, and it looks like a total failure. I could see either, either of those happening. Their roster is experienced. They have the West's best staff, but Minnesota and Iowa and even Illinois might have something to say about that. And Purdue on the road earlier in the season, that could be an upset. Nebraska, along with Wisconsin, those are the most talented teams in the West. The West, in my opinion, is so much more wide open than the East is. And as a result, I'm going to have more confidence in most predictions regarding the Big Ten East, like Michigan and Ohio State facing off in the game yet again for the Big Ten championship, essentially, rather than Wisconsin winning the West. But I agree with ESPN here, surprisingly, on all three of their main predictions, which is very unusual, as you will see, for the Pac-12 and for the SEC. Up next, though, we do have the Pac-12. The Pac-12, in their final season, will put conference champion USC in the 2023 college football playoff. 
The champion for the conference will be the USC Trojans. The offensive player of the year will be Caleb Williams, a quarterback from USC who won the Heisman Trophy last season. The defensive player of the year will be Leatu Latu, linebacker from UCLA. Dante Moore from UCLA as well will be the freshman of the year. The impact transfer, according to ESPN for the Pac-12, would be Dorian Singer, wide receiver at USC, transferred in from Arizona. Brant Cuthie will be the comeback player of the year, tight end at Utah. Kalen DeBoer will be the head coach of the year. Justin Wilcox will be the coach on the hot seat. Ryan Grubb, again from Washington, but their offensive coordinator, is the coordinator who will be a head coach. The non-conference game of the year is USC at Notre Dame. Washington at Michigan State could be another game like this, in my opinion. Conference game of the year is Washington at USC November 4th. A Pac-12 team making the college football playoff was the general theme of this first prediction from ESPN. They think that USC is going to be the Pac-12 team who reaches the playoff. I agree. I disagree on who's going to make the playoff, but I agree that a Pac-12 team in general will make the playoff. If it's not Washington, then in my opinion, it would be in this order. Utah, then Oregon State, Oregon... Oregon and Oregon State essentially could be tied for third in who I think is the better odds to make the playoff, and then USC at fifth. I think USC, with Notre Dame on their schedule on the road, and then also all the tough matchups like Utah, Washington, Oregon, they have to face—they really have to face four good to great to elite or near-elite teams, and that's going to be very tough for— a unit and a squad that, in my opinion, doesn't have a great defense. In fact, they have a very poor defense. I think that Alex Grinch will be fired after this year, but I think that Caleb Williams as well will once again attend the Heisman ceremony. I'm in agreement with that, with ESPN. I think Washington will be the team that reaches the college football playoff instead of USC. In my opinion, Washington is a better defense, especially pass rush, returning two NFL pass rushers. They brought in cornerback Jabbar Muhammad from Oklahoma State, and they have the second-best wide receiver core in the country. Jalen McMillan, Jalen Polk, and Roma Dunze all are on my All-American team, which I will showcase in a video discussing my All-American team in the next few days. Two Pac-12 quarterbacks will be in New York City for the annual Heisman Trophy ceremony. It's another prediction from ESPN regarding the Pac-12 conference in its final year. I strongly, strongly agree with this. Um, all in all, I think that Williams, Nix, Penix, and maybe even, heck, Dante Moore, Cameron Rising, DJ Uyunglele, though the latter two I'm more doubtful on than, let's say, Dante Moore just due to the nature of those offenses, the Pac-12 is going to have impressive quarterback play this season. And the three that I have listed, Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix Jr., all have, in my opinion, a great shot to win the Heisman Trophy outright. So ESPN thinks that two Pac-12 quarterbacks will be at the Heisman ceremony. They think that the Pac-12 will have a college football playoff participant for the first time, by the way, since 2016. Much like ESPN, in some commonality, I think that the Pac-12 will have 
a strong season, a very strong season. Deion Sanders in Colorado, however, they think will be the second worst team by record in the Pac-12 and miss a bowl. I agree this season. I strongly agree that Coach Prime has a long rebuild ahead. That's why he had to go into the portal and high school recruiting and get 70 new players on his roster, around 70 new players. However, I do think that his rebuild will work. I think in 2024, their first year in the Big 12 will be a phenomenal year, and I think that Deion Sanders will win multiple Big 12 titles with Colorado and maybe a few college football playoff games. I'm not going to go as far to say a national championship just yet, especially given the nature of the college football universe slowly evolving into the Big 2 and everyone else, with Colorado not being a part of that Big 2. But the Pac-12 will have a strong season this year, and Deion Sanders' team could be much improved from 2021 and 2022 editions of Colorado, and they still go 3-9 and nine or 4-8 and eight because they have TCU and Nebraska as their first two games, teams who I think will be well above 500 in their records, and I think that conference play is going to be even tougher for the Buffaloes. I mean, I look at their schedule, and the only guaranteed wins that I see for Colorado are Colorado State and I would say Arizona State. And even then, Jay Norvell's a good head coach, and Kenny Dillingham and Jaden Rashada, they might have something going at Arizona State. So no guarantees for Coach Prime in year one, but I think in the long term, there is a guarantee of success. Unfortunately, not for the Pac-12, but fortunately for primetime. And now for the SEC. This first prediction is ridiculous, so we're not even going to entertain it yet until I get to what ESPN thinks about the champion and the players and coaches of the year. They predict Georgia to be the SEC champion, the offensive player of the year to be Brock Bowers from Georgia, the defensive player of the year to be Harold Perkins Jr., linebacker from LSU, Caleb Downs, I'm in strong agreement with this. I think Caleb Downs will be an All-American. They have him as the freshman of the year, safety from Alabama. Devin Leary, quarterback at Kentucky, will be the impact transfer. He came from NC State. Mason Smith will be the comeback player of the year. Brian Kelly will be the coach of the year. Jimbo Fisher is the coach on the hot seat. Glenn Schumann is a coordinator who looks to be a head coach. He's currently the D.C at Georgia. The non-conference game of the year will be LSU versus Florida State. The conference game of the year will be LSU at Alabama. I think the non-conference game of the year, I think personally that Texas-Alabama, in my opinion, will top LSU versus Florida State. This first prediction is downright ridiculous. Texas A&M's offensive coordinator Bobby Petrino will win the Broyles Award in 2023. I was tempted to write not just strongly disagree, but instant laughter is my reaction. Let, let's look at the, the last few Broyles Award winners. The Broyles Award is an annual award given to the nation's best assistant coach. In 2022, it was Garrett Riley, offensive coordinator at TCU then. In 2021, it was Josh Gaddis, OC for Michigan. 2020, OC for Alabama, 2019, 
um, passing game coordinator for LSU. 2018, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for Alabama. 2017, offensive coordinator for Clemson, Tony Elliott. 2016, defensive coordinator for Clemson, Brent Venables. 2015, offensive coordinator for Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley. 2014, offensive coordinator for Ohio State, Tom Herman. You know what the commonality for all of those Broyles Award winners is? The commonality is they all played, or coached, rather, in the playoffs. Those teams all had double-digit regular season wins. You go back further, Pat Narduzzi, Bob Diaco, John Chavis, Gus Malzahn, Kirby Smart, Kevin Wilson, Jim Heacock— you have to go all the way back to Bud Foster in 2006 to find a Broyles Award winner whose team didn't play in a national championship game setting. You have to go that far back. I'm dead serious. And as ESPN has Texas A&M going 9-3, and and that's one of the more specific points where I'm actually referencing ESPN's record predictions— because we can already kind of get a, a gist of the important stuff just by talking about the predictions. The record predictions would only add more time. A 9-3 A&M who's 5-3 in conference and has lost to likely Alabama and LSU and another SEC team, no one on that staff is winning the Broyles Award. And Bobby Petrino won't win it either because the game of college football, in my opinion, has passed him by. Same with Jimbo Fisher. Lamar Jackson made Bobby Petrino at Louisville. Made him. Jordan Travis transferred out to Florida State, and Florida State has developed him into a great quarterback. Malik Cunningham was developed by Scott Satterfield's staff. I mean, in my opinion, and I can be proven wrong, I've admitted when I'm wrong before, I've also pointed to points where I think, hey, I, th I think I'm right here. I think that Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher are not going to save Texas A&M. And by save Texas A&M, I mean bring them back to the greatness they had in the Big 12 at times. They're not going to do that. And to go 9-3 and three and win the Broyles Award would imply likely that this offense is just legendary while the defense takes a massive step back. And with guys like Walter Nolan on the defensive line, DJ Durkin, no doubt about him being a great defensive coordinator, I don't see this defense taking a step back. I see this team still being one where the defense is superior to the offense. Prediction number two, Brian Kelly beat Nick Saban 32-31 to last year in overtime, and he will do it again at Alabama this season. I disagree here, but I don't strongly disagree, because there is a world where, with how many questions Alabama has, they can get you know, three regular season losses. I could totally see that, like a, a 2010 kind of Alabama year, or maybe even worse than that, um, although I'm not predicting that, but I could see it be, be a possibility. At the same time, there's also a good possibility that LSU is a near-elite to elite team. Now, I also disagree with that, as you can obviously see by my reaction, but Brian Kelly can do this. His team with Mason Smith... Mackie Wingo, Harold Perkins Jr., Omar Spates, the best defensive tackle and linebacker room in the country, in my opinion, with um, 
with Deuce Chestnut and that secondary, which I think will improve despite Denver Harris looking like he won't see the field much this season, if at all, and an offensive line that's improving, a running back room that added Logan Diggs to get some depth, and a deep quarterback and wide receiver room, LSU can be elite. But if they want to win at Alabama, even if Alabama is at their worst, and let's say it's 2010 Alabama, multiple losses, they have no hope of going to the playoff or little hope by the time that LSU comes to town, you still need to be elite to win in Tuscaloosa. The only teams that have won in Tuscaloosa, from my memory, so correct me if I'm wrong, since 2010, 2010, that Auburn team that went undefeated with Cam Newton, a GOAT at quarterback, 2011, LSU with one of the best defenses and an underrated offense. Um, They won in overtime because Alabama didn't have a kicker and LSU had phenomenal special teams, but then Alabama just destroyed and shanked them in the national title. 2012, it was Johnny Football. 2015, it was a staff full of elite recruits and head coach Hugh Freeze. In 2019, it was Joe Burrow and that legendary LSU squad. And since then, we're waiting for the next time that Alabama loses at home. I think that Alabama will capture the SEC West, ESPN thinks LSU, in fact, will capture the SEC West and go 11-1. and I think that Alabama will do this instead, but I can see LSU doing this. It's not out of the realm of possibility. In fact, I would not even necessarily call it a bold prediction for LSU to go into Tuscaloosa and win, though it would be very close, if not you know, a bold prediction, but definitely far from a hot take. With the help of an elite-wide receiving core, Carson Beck will be a Heisman Trophy finalist. I agree with this. I think that Georgia will be 13-0, and they'll provide a great supporting cast for Carson Beck. There's a part of me that is split between whether Carson Beck or Jalen Daniels goes to the Heisman Trophy ceremony. In my opinion, I think it's going to be Caleb Williams, Michael Penix Jr., and then or Bo Nix, and then, you know, Carson Beck is up there, Jalen Daniels, Kyle McCord. I'm going to make a Heisman Trophy predictions video within the next few days as well. So the my reaction to the Heisman predictions are far from final, but this is just my initial thoughts. Carson Beck likely having better numbers than Stetson Bennett. In fact, I have him surpassing Bennett's passing yard total and probably having a better passer rating along with leading Georgia to a 13-0 record and having great receivers like Brock Bowers, Ra-Ra Thomas, Lad McConkey, Dominic Lovett. And also, Georgia has a history of having running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think that Carson Beck will likely, more likely than not, go to New York. The Heisman Trophy now is a glorified quarterback award. There are many players in the nation at all positions who I think are much better than Carson Beck. But because of the team around him, his numbers, and the fact that it's a popularity contest, I think that it is probably likely that as long as Georgia goes 13-0 with the type of offense they want to run, Carson Beck will be there in New York. And those are ESPN's predictions for the 2023 college football season. I agree with a lot of them. I also disagree with a lot of them. 
And I'm just excited for college football to be here, for Navy and Notre Dame to play. And thank you all for watching. Subscribe if you haven't already, like this video, and comment your thoughts down below. Thank you all for watching, and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.